Here we are. Okay, so um, we are holding in Shmuel Aleph, Perik Tes Zayin, chapter 16. And um, there's always Hashkoch Pratis and everything. And this week is one week exactly before Shavuos. Next week, today, is the first day of Shavuos, and obviously there won't be a class. Um, and today we begin the story, really, of David HaMelech. Um, and David HaMelech is so connected with the Yom Tov of Shavuos. Um, we know Chazal tell us that on Shavuos is David HaMelech's yard site. David HaMelech passed away on Shavuos. David HaMelech was born on Shavuos. His birthday and your site is on Shavuos. Um, that's the reason why many have the custom on Shavuos to read the book of Rus, because it is Rus, of course, was David HaMelech's grandmother, or great-grandmother. And um, so being that Shavuos is connected with David HaMelech, and he's the, again, as I just said, his yard site, his birthday on Shavuos, so therefore there's the meaning of reading Rus on Shavuos. And tonight, again, Bashkach HaPratis, we begin really the story of David HaMelech and Tanakh. Um, David HaMelech is, well, is not the first king, because the first king was Shaul, who we've been learning about. But um, Shaul, as we learned in the last, uh, the last couple of Prokim, as great and uh, vatsadik that he was, and he was, nevertheless, he, so to speak, um, fell out of the grace of Hashem because of the two sins, and primarily the final sin, which was the sin connected with Amalek, where he didn't follow the word of Hashem. And therefore Hashem said, ultimately, he is not going to be the king of Kali Yisrael. Although we already said way before, he wasn't going to be the sustainable king of Kali Yisrael because he wasn't the right shevet. Um, but David Amalek is going to be, going to begin the beginning of what's called the uh, dynasty of David. David Melech Yisrael Chai Vekayim, the great king of Kali Yisrael. And it's not just about him being a king, but him and his descendants and all the way till the end. Even Mashiach Tzidkenu, who we are awaiting, is called Mashiach Ben David. Um, and every Jewish king throughout Tanakh is always judged, is he like David, his ancestor? David is seen as the figure, as the model of, of Malchi Yisrael. David was this supreme tzaddik. Um, there's so much about David. Um, he's the example brought of a tzaddik. and says in, uh, in the beginning of Tanya, when he wants to bring an example of a tzaddik who is able to reach a level where he has no more Yitzhahara, that's David. Uh, David says in Tehillim, V'libi cholal bekirbi, that he was able to totally uproot his Yitzhahara. Again, and we have many, many prokhim ahead of us to discuss the story of David and the messages of David. But um, what more has to be said? He's the one who wrote the Sefer Tehillim, which is the Sefer of Klal Yisrael for davening. David is called Ne'im Zmira Yisrael, the one who, the, the sweet singer of Klal Yisrael, all the tefillahs, all of the bakashas. It's all David HaMelech. So, and again, David HaMelech's Yom Tov is really Shavuos, and we're one week before Shavuos, and beginning the story of David HaMelech in Tanakh. Okay, that's uh, by way of introduction. So, Perik Tezayin, chapter 16. You'll, you'll recall, last week, after Shmuel um, tells Shaul that uh, Hashem has removed the kingdom from him, Shmuel leaves, and the Pasuk says that Shmuel never is going to see Shaul again. Shaul is Shmuel's Talmud, and he's the one who... Um, Shmuel made Shaul the first Melech, but now uh, Shmuel leaves. So now, in the beginning of Tezayin, Hashem comes to Shmuel and says, Ad atom misabil el Shaul. How long are you going to mourn over Shaul and the loss of his kingdom? He says, it's time to go and create the new king of Klal Yisrael. So take your horn of oil of Shemen, right, just like Shaul, if you remember, 
We talked about the shawl was anointed with oil. That's a, a mitzvah in the Torah to anoint a king or a kohen, kohen gadol with oil. So Shaul was anointed, and Shmu and David now is going to be anointed. We pointed out then though that Shaul was not anointed with the shemen hamishcha, with the oil used in the base hamikdash, because that's only for um, kings from the tribe of Yehuda. So now Hashem tells Shmuel to take your shemen, to take your oil, and I'm going. You're going. I'm sending you. Hashem says to Yishai from base lechem, Yishai base halachni, because one of his sons is going to be the next king of Klal Yisrael. Yishai, the Tanakh doesn't talk a lot about Yishai, Yishai the father of David, but according to the Gemara, he's one of the greatest tzaddikim who ever lived. Um, the Gemara talks about four people who never sinned, any type of sin in their lifetime, four people in the history. Um, and the Gemara talks about the first one being Binyamin, the twelfth of the twelve tribes, the twelve Shvatim, and Amram, the father of Moshe Rabbeinu, and Yishai, the father of David HaMelech. And finally, number four is uh, the most least known of them. His name is Kilov, which is one of the sons of David HaMelech. But be that as it may, Yishai is a tremendous tzaddik, and he is the grandson of, of Rus. Um, and Hashem tells Shmuel, I want you to go to Yishai, who lives in Beis Lechem, because one of Yishai's sons is destined to be the king of Klal Yisrael. And here Shmuel says something interesting. He tells he tells Hashem, he says, but I'm going to go travel now in Israel to go and anoint a new king. Remember, Shaul is still the king. right? You know, Although Hashem promised and Hashem said he's, he's removing his kingdom, but he was still the, the practicing, the acting king. So Shmuel tells Hashem, he says, Eich Eilich, how can I go v'shama Shaul v'haraguni? V'haraguni. If, if, um, if Shaul is going to hear that I set out on a journey, a quest to anoint a new king while Shaul is king, so Shaul is going to kill me. Now, it's interesting to note that Shaul, if you remember, in the beginning when Shaul was, uh, when they wanted to make Shaul king, Shaul showed tremendous humility and he didn't want to be the king and he was hiding. But now, once he is king, so um, if you hear someone else is going to be king, so Shaul is uh, going to put him to death. So Chazal says something interesting about human nature, and that is even when one is you know, lo- not looking for leadership and uh, one is very humble, but once one is already the leader, then one is, becomes comfortable in that position and is not looking to be uh, dethroned. And that's a, a general, one of the... Um, one of the Tanoim, I believe it was, uh, I think it was Rabbi Yeshua ben Prachia, he says that before I became the Nasi, if someone would say that I should become the Nasi, so I would say, better time me up, put me in front of the lions. But once I became the Nasi, if someone would say I should step down, I would take the hot water in front of me and pour it on his head. That's what the Gemara says about one of the Tanoim, sages of the Mishnah, giving us an insight into human nature. Okay, be that as it may. So Shmuel tells Hashem, how can I go? Shaul is going to kill me. So the Gemara asks an interesting question, which is, why was Shmuel afraid? Doesn't, didn't Shmuel know that shluchei mitzvah einam nizukin? If you're going to do a mitzvah to fulfill Hashem's um, command, then you're not going to be, um, then you're not going to be uh, harmed. So why was Shmuel uh, fearful? Says the Gemara, because if it's, uh, even if shluchei mitzvah einam nizukin, but if it's a place where the... Um, where the, uh, the the danger is natural and imminent, then even a shliach mitzvah has to take precautionary measures. 
So Shmuel tells Hashem, how can I go and anoint a new king? Shaul is going to kill me. And Hashem tells Shmuel, he says, you're right. You know what? Take an animal of you, take an ox, and just say that you're coming to bring a korban. Don't say that you're coming to anoint a new king. Say you're coming to bring a korban. Which, by the way, here is something else that the Gemara says, that this is one of the sources in Torah that sometimes one is allowed to say an untruth. In general, we have a rule, Midvar Sheker Tirchok, one is not allowed to lie, obviously. But there are times when the Torah says, for the sake of peace, for the sake of Shalom, and definitely, <coughs> excuse me, <coughs> excuse me, and definitely when there's a Sakana, then one is allowed to bend the truth. And here Hashem himself is, um, is advising Shmuel, he says, you take an animal, you tell them you're coming to bring a carbon, even though your real intention is to anoint a new king for Klal Yisrael. Nevertheless, I'm telling you, you take an animal, say you're going to bring a korban. Okay. And that's what happens. So Shmuel does what Hashem says, and he comes to Beis Lechem, and everyone is all, uh, Shmuel is here, Shmuel, the great Navi of Hashem, the undisputed leader, uh, Navi of Klal Yisrael, comes to town, and Shmuel says, I've come to uh, bring a korban for Hashem. He says, everyone's invited. And specifically, he invites Yishai and his sons to come to bring for the carbon that Shmuel is going to bring for Hashem. Right. Now, they come, and Shmuel now is looking at the sons of Yishai to see which is the one who's going to be the one who Hashem is going to tell him that he should be anointed as king of Klal Yisrael. So, they come before him. Yishai has seven sons. They come before him, and the first one comes, the Bechayr, the oldest son, his name is Eliyav. And Shmuel looks at him and says, wow, this is a person that looks like royalty. Eliyav looked, he looked the role of a royalty, of a king. Um, and Shmuel was convinced that this is the son who should be anointed as king. And Hashem tells Shmuel, don't look at his external features, at his look. He's tall and he's handsome. He says, no, he's not the one. He says, he's not my king at all. And here Hashem says a, a pasuk that quite becomes a famous quote from Tanakh. Hashem doesn't see the way man sees. Man sees by what our eyes behold. We see something, it looks good, it looks impressive, it looks holy, it looks spiritual, it looks like a king. Hashem sees to the heart. And that's, uh, that's just the way it is. That, that we as, and, and even we're talking about Shmuel. Shmuel is a Navi. And still Hashem says, ultimately it's only Hashem who sees the true heart of a person. In fact, you might recall a couple of weeks ago, we learned that when, um, when Shaul first came and met Shmuel for the first time, so Shaul says, I'm looking for the ro'eh, I'm looking for the seer, the navi. And Shmuel says, Anochi haro'eh, I am the seer. I'm the, I'm, the, I'm the navi. And at that point, there's some level of critique against Shmuel, that he said, I am the one who sees. And Hashem says, there will come a time when you'll have to admit that you don't see everything either. And that's here in this story that we read today, where Shmuel, Shmuel, the great tzaddik and navi, saw that this was the Bechayr, he felt this was the person, he looked like the one Ru'i, the one fitting for kingdom, and Hashem says no. Hashem says that's not the, that's not the king. So Yishai calls his next son, Avinodov, and brings him before Shmuel, and Shmuel is in constant contact with Hashem in an amazing way. Hashem says no, that's not the one either. Vayaver Yishai Shama, Yishai brought his third son Shama, and Hashem says him, him, him not as well. And Yishai brings all of his seven sons before Shmuel. 
And Shmuel says to Yishai, no, not this, not him, and not him, and not him, and not him. Now here we have the amazing concept, which was that David was totally, was the greatest tzaddik and was totally concealed. Even his father, even his brothers, even the people, no one recognized David for who he was. And there's all different types of madrashim about David. But we'll get to that maybe, I don't know if we'll get tonight or another time, different madrashim in the background. But we see over here David, who was this tremendous tzaddik, but nobody had any level of respect for him. He was the youngest of the sons, the least chashuv, um, the least uh, respected of the sons. And here when Shmuel says, bring before me all your sons, they don't even think, think of bringing David. Yishai brings his seven sons and not David. And Shmuel tells Yishai, he says, do you not have any other sons? I mean, Hashem said one of your sons is going to be the king. And all of these were not the ones that were fitting for kingdom. So Yishai says, he says, yeah, there's one more. He's Raya Batsoin, he's the shepherd of the sheep. He's in the fields. And Shmuel says, bring him. He says, bring him. We're not going to sit down. We're not going to sit down to the Sauda until you bring him. He had eight sons, really? Yes, really he had eight sons, right. right. I'm sorry, I, I misspoke before. He, he had seven here. He, he had brought seven um, in front of Shmuel, but there's the eighth, which is David. So, he brings him. David was very, was red, red here. He looked good. Hashem. And as soon as David approaches, Hashem tells Shmuel, Kum Mishachehu, anoint this man, Kizehu, because he is the one. He is the one that you were sent to anoint. And immediately, Shmuel is Karen Hashem. Shmuel takes the uh, the oil and he anoints David. And immediately it says, Ruach Hashem, the spirit of Hashem, um, enclothes or surrounds David from that day and onward. And David is now anointed as king. Shmuel returns back home. So here we have similar to like when Shoal was anointed. And nobody really knew about it. It was just between Shmuel and Shoal was anointed. And then the actual kingdom came later with time. In the proper time, the same thing is with David. At this point, David is anointed. The Ruach Hashem, the spirit of Hashem is now with David. And yet nothing happens. David still remains a shepherd. And he's still in his, the home of Yishai, his father. Um, and the story continues, except that the new king has been anointed and will ultimately um, become king over Klal Yisrael. Right? So it's, a, it's interesting how it works in Navi differently than we might expect. So as soon as he was anointed, he probably moved into the palace. That wasn't the case at all. Shaul is very much still the acting king, as, we see, as we'll see. Okay, the passage continues. We move now to the palace. Right? All this happened in Beis Lechem, in the home of Yishai where Yishai's son David was now anointed. But now let's move back to the palace where Shaul is king. And the Pasuk says, um, and here begins a sad part um, of Shaul's life. And it says, V'ruach Hashem sara me'im Shaul. The spirit of Hashem was removed from Shaul. It's interesting. In the Pasuk right before it says, the spirit of Hashem now surrounded David. And the next Pasuk says, the spirit of Hashem was removed from Shaul. It seems that there is this Ruach Hashem that's meant for the king, for the Melech. And once now it's it's by David, so now Shoal is bereft of that. Shoal loses that Ruach Hashem, the spirit of, of kingdom that Hashem gave him. And Shoal, the Pasuk talks about a Ruach Ro'o, literally a negative spirit, a bad spirit. According to some, it was a spirit of depression that began to plague Shoal. And Shoal, as we're going to see, um, the best, e- easiest words to describe it is had bouts 
of this depression, of this ruach ra, that is going to affect Shoal, really from now until the end of his life. So David, I'm sorry, Shoal in the palace has this ruach ra, and this is something that's very obvious to everyone, to his servants, that the king Shoal is going through uh, very difficult emotional uh, feelings and spirit. And one thing that affects Shoal at the end of the day is a holy person, and he was used to having ruach hakodesh, and he was a navi. So the servants tell Shaul, we have to do something to bring you simcha. We have a general rule, Ein hashchina shayra ela simcha. Especially the nevim, in order to be a navi, in order to have nevuah, it had to be with simcha. So they said, let us find for you a musician. We spoke, we spoke about this in the past already. We've, we saw in the past that sometimes the Nevi'im, the prophets, had musicians that would travel with them. And the reason they had musicians is because music has that ability of giving simcha, of bringing simcha to a person. So the servants of Shaul tell him, let us go and search for you a good musician, um, a spiritual person who can bring simcha, spiritual simcha to you. And Shaul said, it's a great idea. He says, go and find someone. And so it says, one of the... Uh, one of the uh, servants says, yeah, I know of a good musician. And all, all of us know the story. Who is that going to be? David. David, the son of Yishai. Of course, they didn't know in the palace that David, the son of Yishai, was anointed by Shmuel the Navi to be the next king of Chal Yisrael. But this is Hashem working Hashem's, uh, you know, how, how Hashem works and brings things together. So one of the, um, one of the servants in the palace say that uh, there is the son of Yishai, and he's a Gibor Chayil, Ishmo Chama. He's a he's a power. He's a warrior. He's a he's a great person, and, and a wise man. The Hashem Imoy, and Hashem is with him. Why did they think? Why did they think he was something, and his father and brothers didn't? So that's a good question. That's a good question. That here in Pasuk Yudches, suddenly David is getting all these accolades that he's special and he's great and he's a Gibor Chayil, and he's an Ishmo Chama. But how did they know that? And especially beforehand, we saw that his fathers and his brothers just thought he was the little, you know, the little kid and the uh, the shepherd. So, so in the, in the simple pshat, it doesn't say the answer to that question. But it's interesting. The Gemara tells us something very interesting about this pasuk. It says one of the servants, one of the children, literally, said, "Oh, I saw the son of Yishai, and he knows how to sing, and is a gibor chayil, and is a man of war, and he's wise." And he's uh, Ishtar, he's uh, impressive looking, and Hashem is with him. Who's talking with such certainty? And why is he saying all these things? All David asked was for a music, all Shaul asked was for a musician. And now we're giving the whole the whole spiel. So the Gemara says that the one who was talking is someone who's going to become part of the story later, and his name is Doeg. Doeg Ha'adomi. Doeg Ha'adomi was a very, very hush of a person. He was the head of the Sanhedrin. And he was jealous of David from the beginning. From the beginning, he had something with David HaMelech. It doesn't say what caused it or where it came from. But from the beginning until all the way to the end, Doeg is going to be an enemy to David HaMelech. And the Gemara says, he started his battle with David right here. He wanted to create jealousy between the king and David HaMelech. And Doeg knew what no one else knew. Doeg was the head of Sanhedrin. We're talking about a person who was a, a very brilliant man and probably a very spiritual man. And therefore, he was privy to information that most people didn't know. So likely, that's the answer to your question. It wasn't just Tom, someone who happened to know. It was Doi. It was Doi Ha Domi. Again, one of the Doi Ha Domi, one of the great people. But with all of his greatness, he was on the wrong team, ultimately. Very much on the wrong team. He's seen as a Russia, ultimately. But be, this is at the time when he's still the head of the Sanhedrin, of Shaul. 
and he's giving all of these accolades to David to talk about how great he is and wonderful. And in fact, the last two words, Vahashem, Imo Hashem is always with him. Chazal say it means he was saying that he's always right. His he he's always right halachically. And all of this he was awakening that kina, that hatred, which ultimately is going to um, be between Shaul and David. And and Doig is behind this. So perhaps that's how uh, he knows much more than, than than anyone else knew because of his very prestigious position. Anyhow, so the pasuk goes on, pasuk test, and it says, Shaul says, good. Shaul sends uh, malachim, which means servants, to Yishai. And he says, uh, send your son David to me. You're your son David, who's a shepherd, but I need him in the palace. And Yishai sends him. He sends him with a donkey, with food. And he brings him to Shaul. David comes to Shaul, and he stands before him. And at this point, Shaul appreciates David very much. And David uh, creates a liking. There's a, a, a strong liking at this point between Shaul and David. And Shaul sends back to Yishai and he says, perhaps your son could stay with me. He found grace in my eyes. And, and that's what happened. Yishai was basically would stay in the palace. I'm sorry, David would stay in the palace. And as the Pasuk says, whenever Shaul fell down, whenever he was despondent, he would feel that, that negative ruach, the negative spirit. David David would take the harp. He would, he would play the music. And Shaul would feel better. And Shaul would feel uplifted. And that negative spirit left him. And that's the end of chapter Tezayin, uh, uh, chapter 16, Perik Tezayin. So basically, in this chapter, we have the introduction of, of David Amalekh. Uh, first of all, his anointment. And not just his anointment, but also he's already gotten into the palace. Not as a king, only as a musician. But this is, again, David's uh, his foray, his beginning of connection to Shaul Amalekh. And now he's serving in the palace as a musician to bring Simcha to Shaul Amalekh. And at this point, there is a very good relationship between Shaul and David. That is again Perik Tazayin. Perik Yudzayin, chapter 17. This is uh, chapter 17. We're going to read about one of the most famous battles of Tanakh that everyone knows about, Yidin and Nat Yidin, and that's the story of David and Goliath, where David really becomes famous as a warrior, um, savior, if you will, of Klal Yisrael. Excuse me, you have a, um, you have a tissue. I'm so, so sorry. I'll just mention that um, David, aside from being David Melech Yisrael, is called the first Mashiach of Klal Yisrael. It's called the first, um, like, like Mashiach Sitkenu, the first savior, the one who brings uh, salvation to Klal Yisrael. When, when the Rambam talks about the coming of Mashiach, thank you very much. Excuse me. <laughs> When the Rambam talks about the coming of Mashiach and he brings the Psukim um, of Bilam, the Navi, the evil Navi Bilam who prophesizes the coming of Mashiach, all of Bilam's prophecies are double. He says, um, uh, Every prophecy of Bilam about the coming redemption is double. And the Rambam says that each prophecy about Mashiach is about the two Mashiachs. Mashiach Harishon, which is David HaMalach, 
and Mashiach Hasheni, or HaAcharon, Sha'asid Lamod Mibanov, which is Melech HaMashiach. David is seen in the eyes of Halacha as the first one and the only one who brought Klal Yisrael to their complete state of Geula, and the only other one who will do that is Mashiach Huyaway. So David, from the beginning, is the one who brought us to a complete state of Geula, and was the one who brought us to the building of the first place of Mikdash. And, and David is, again, David is in the, that category, like Mashiach, the, the Rambam says the first Mashiach is David, and the final one is Mashiach Sidkenu. Okay, but let's go into uh, chapter uh, Yudzayin. So, Perik Yudzayin, we have, what we have so commonly in Navi is another battle, another great war of the Plishtim against the Jewish people. Uh, the Plishtim gathered their, the Plishtim, the Philistines, they gathered their uh, their camps to a Mulchama. And so you have the Plishtim on one side, and you have Sho'u and Klal Yisrael, who are gathered and encamped um, opposite from them. And there's a, a war brewing between the Plishtim and Klal Yisrael. And here we have in Pasuk Dalet that a, a giant, a, a great warrior comes out from the camp of the Plishtim, and Goliath Shmo, his name is Goliath the uh, known as Goliath, right? That's the name Goliath. And he's a giant. It says he's six Amos tall. Six Amos is at least nine feet tall. So we're talking about a massive man, a warrior. And the Basig describes in detail the type of uh, the type of helmet that he wore and the type of uh, uh, garments of, of war, uh, armaments that he wore. Um, and he had this uh, huge uh, shield and a huge sword. And he was a, he was a, he was a giant and a, war, a fearsome warrior, a fearsome warrior. Now, the Pasuk here doesn't tell us, but Chazal tells us who Goliath comes from, who's his, who's his uh, grandmother. And, um, and that is, you know, again, we're coming up next week to Shavuos, and Shavuos, we have the story of Rus. And the story of Rus is the story, uh, really, of a mother-in-law, Nami, with two daughters-in-law, right? The two daughters-in-law are Rus and Orpah. Now, initially, both of those daughters-in-law are going with their mother-in-law back to Eretz Yisrael, and ultimately, Arpa goes away, and Rus stays with Nomi. Now, Rus is going to become the grandmother of David Hamelech. Arpa is the mother of Goliath. So Goliath and David are both coming from, um, f- from, not from Rus, but from from Rus and Arpa, who are these two, who are these two Moabite princesses. And we'll talk about that. They both come from Moab. So David Amalekh is David Amalekh, who is the tremendous Sadiq who comes from Rus. And Goliath is this tremendous Russia, this uh, very, very evil man, a wicked man, but also a mighty warrior. And he comes from Arpa, both coming from Moabite princesses. But be that as it may, so we have this, uh, this uh, Pelishti warrior, and he basically comes out and he taunts the Jewish soldiers. There doesn't seem like there was anyone in the Jewish army that was in any way a match for Goliath. Um, you might also remember from way back, Goliath was the one who grabbed the Aron of Hashem and the Luchos in the battle that Chofni and Pinchas were killed. Right, Many years ago, Chofni and Pinchas, the sons of Eli, were killed. That was Goliath when he was a much younger warrior. He was the one who grabbed and already cursed and shamed the Aron of Hashem then. So he's continuing um, his types of behavior. He comes out and he taunts the Jewish people. And he says, why do we need a war? We don't need a war of two armies. Send out any warrior. Let, just, let them battle me. It's just one-on-one. Any warrior that battles me. 
and um, if someone can battle me and he'll uh, and he can be victorious over me, all of us will be servants to you. Um, if I'll be victorious, all of you will be servants over me. And the and, and Goliath would come out and he would taunt the Jewish people every day. And everyone was petrified of him. Shaul and all the people were petrified of him. And no one took his, how do you say, his, uh, his offer, his, his deal, that he, his, uh, his deer, so to speak. As we'll see soon, this went on for 40 days. For 40 days every day, morning and night. In fact, the Gemara says, that Goliath specifically specifically did a morning and the night in order to disturb the Jewish people from davening and saying Kriyashma in the morning and the night, and that's exactly what he was trying to do. He was trying to, uh, you know, oppress them physically and spiritually. So while this is happening, we shift back to David Hamelach's family, David and Yishai. So talks about uh, Yishai, who was this great person, and Yishai had we already met. The, he had seven sons before David. And the three oldest sons he sent to the battlefield. His three oldest sons he sent to the battlefield to be um, in Shaul's army. And they went, Eliav and Avinadav and Shama, those sons who initially Shmuel thought might be the king, but they were sent to the battlefield. Vidavid huha katan, David is the youngest, and David did not go to the battle. David was a shepherd, and he was a musician. He was a shepherd for his father's sheep. He would go to the palace to to do music for Shaul, for the king, but he didn't go to the war. Now the Pasik says, in Pasik Yudzayin, that one day Yishai tells his son David, he says, go to the battlefield to bring your older brothers food. Bring them food and bring them what they need. And he sends David on a mission to the battlefield to his older brothers. And then it says, in the end of Pasik Yudchas, ves arubasam tikach. Bring them their food, bring them what they need, and take from them arubasam. And that's that's an unusual word in Tanakh. What does it mean, arubasam tikach? And there's a number of um, explanations the Mepharshim give. One is their peace. They're sh- find out how they're doing. You know, find, you know, send them regards and get regards from them. Tell tell me how they're doing. There's another pirush, uh, interesting pirush, which is to get from them divorce documents for their wives. Mm-hmm. And the reason for that is the Gemara tells us that um, an interesting custom that would be when men would go to war is that they would send a conditional divorce document to their wife so that in case they're they're lost in war, killed in war and not found, the wife would not remain an aguna. Um, she would be able to remarry. That, that would seem to be something that was very common in those days. There would be a war and a person would be lost forever. So then the woman is stuck and can't get uh, remarried. And therefore the halacha was they would send, when they went to war, when a war would get difficult, they would send divorce documents, conditional. Conditional, that means that if they return, that that document is null and void. But if they don't return, that that document is binding. And therefore that the woman is divorced and is allowed to remarry again. So according to one pshat in the Mepharshim, that's what the Pasim means when Yishai tells his son David, go to your brothers and take from them. That's arubasam tikach. He's referring to that um, get. There is a third, another explanation. I just want to mention because it's a beautiful explanation. That the word arubasam is really alluding to something much deeper than both of them, and something that even Yishai didn't know what he was saying. The word arubasam at the root is the word ariv. An ariv is a guarantor. Now, where do we have a guarantor all the way back in the Torah? Who was the first guarantor in the Torah? So it was Yehuda, who guaranteed his brother Binyamin, right? Yaakov Avinu tells Yehuda, um, you know, they go down to Mitzrayim and then 
Uh, Yosef says you have to bring Binyamin, and Yaakov doesn't want to sell Binyamin, ascend Binyamin, and Yehuda tells his father, Anoichi Arvenu, I will be the guarantor for Binyamin. Um, and therefore, once Yehuda says that, Yaakov sends Yehuda down to get um, with Binyamin, sends Binyamin with Yehuda, that is. So the Mepharshim say that this, hundreds of years later, is a replay because David is from the tribe of Yehuda. And he's coming to save Shaul's army. And Shaul's from the tribe of Binyamin. So it's really the old Yehuda and Binyamin, Yehuda guaranteeing that he's going to take care, look out for Binyamin. As Arubasam, the old, the old Arvas, the old guarantee, you know, guarantee that our tribe, that the tribe the Shevet of Yehuda undertook for the Shevet of Binyamin, that's why I'm set, that's why David is going now to that battle. And ultimately David is going to, going to famously win that battle. Um, living up to that guarantee of the Shevet Yehuda for the Shevet Binyamin. And ultimately, Malchus, kingdom, is going to be in Shevet Yehuda, and kingdom is all about being the one who takes responsibility. And that's really a, 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 another pirush in, another explanation, in what Yishai was telling David uh, when he was sending him to that battle. Rabbi Silverberg, I just have a question. Yes. To, um, nowadays, when, when um, soldiers go to war, um, like in Eretzisrael, or let's say in, the, in Russia, when um, um, people were taken to prison, do, do they write that conditional divorce? I never, I, I, I never heard that. I never heard that that's done. No. Uh, no. So it was only done then. You're it saying? was done then. It was in the in the Melchames of Beis David, um, in in the house of David, house of Yehuda, and the Melchames back in the time of Tanakh. Um, I don't believe that that's a minute that carried on, I guess for a number of different reasons, but it didn't. But it seems that that was something that was done at the time. Okay, so this is what happens. David gets up, the Pasuk Chav says, Vayashkim David Babaykar, David gets in the morning, and he goes, he listens to his father, and he heads out to the battlefield. And he comes there, and he, he meets his brothers, and while he's there, he sees what's going on. He sees that there's this fearsome Pelishti soldier who's really mocking the Jewish armies. And um, and all the all, whenever whenever he gets up to speak, all the Jewish soldiers run before him, and everyone's afraid. And he hears people talking, and people saying that this person was mocking the soldiers, and no one knows what to do about him. Whoever is going to actually be able to be victorious over him. The king has promised that he'll make him wealthy. And the king, meaning Shaul, will give him his daughter as a wife. And that that family will become a distinguished free family in the Jewish people. Now, David, who's the, again, the youngest of his brothers, he's not in the army or anything, he hears what people are saying. And David starts asking questions. And he says, what's the story? Why is no one going to, to fight him? And in fact, the puzzle tells us that David's older brother got angry at him. He says, what are you doing here? You're, a little, you're the little one. You shouldn't be in the war anyway. You're just, you're just coming here because you're shirking your duties as a, as a shepherd. And David turns away from him. And basically, David indicates, tells people, you know what? I'll take him on. You know, I'll, I'll, I'll fight the warrior. And word of this come, is brought to show that that young guy, David, who happens to be your musician, says that he'll, you know, he'll fight Goliath. And it says the Pasuk Lamed base, David comes before Shaul, and he says, don't, don't, be, don't feel bad. I'll yipo leiv adam, love, let your heart not fall within you. 
Avdecha Yelech, your servant will go forth, Vinilcham, and I will wage battle with this Plishti, with this uh, with this Russia. And Shaul looks at David, who again, David wasn't even a soldier, and he says, You won't be able to go before this Plishti, to wage battle. He says, You're a child. This is a seasoned soldier. This is a warrior. You as a child who never battled in any way are going to, are going to take on this warrior. And David says, he says, you know what, Shoal HaMelech, my master, I have to tell you a secret. He says, one day I was a shepherd of my father's sheep and a lion and beer came and they stole sheep. They took sheep, you know, to eat. And I saw the lion and beer and I charged them he says, and I fought them, I fought the lion, and I fought the beer, and I slayed them. I killed the lion and the with my beer hands. And I saved the sheep. Now, David said, according to Chazal, David was saying to Shaul, I never understood why that happened. Why in the world did it happen that I was attacked by a lion and a beer? And why was I miraculously able, beer-handed, to kill a lion and a beer? But now I understand. It was to show me that when Hashem gives one strength, then it doesn't matter if the odds are totally unmatched. Obviously, a human being, a child, can't fight a lion and can't fight a beer. And yet, Hashem showed me, and it was a message for me that there will come a time that I will also have to fight lions and beers. And I'll have to fight those that seem to be totally you know, mismatched to battles and to be successful. And therefore, David tells Shaul, that this plishti, this uh, this Philistine, this warrior, he'll be just like one of them, because he because he mocked the the armies of Hashem, and therefore I want to go and take him on. And David says, he says, Hashem asher hitzilani miyad ha'ari miyad hadoiv, the same Hashem who saved me from the hands of the lion, from the hands of the beard, beer, who yatzilani miyad ha'plishti hazeh, he will save me from the hands of this plishti as well. No, Shaul hears this. It's a pretty convincing argument. Shaul says, Go, may Hashem be with you, if you want to undertake this. And Shaul gives David Shaul's own um, armor, his own uh, coat of armor, to go and fight uh, the, the, uh, the plishti with the helmet and with the, uh, the armor and the sword and the whole armor of the king. Now, Chazal tell us an interesting mess happened over here because... Um, when, if, you, if you remember, when, when we were introduced to Shoal, what was the first thing the Pasuk told us about Shoal? How tall he was. That it says that, that Shoal towered over everyone else. David wasn't the tall man. David was regular height. So David had this huge, Shoal had this huge armor. How did he fit into it? So Chazal said that here was an immediate nest that Shoal saw, that the armor right away fit around David. That this, this very tall and big armor of the king fit around David's body. But even with it fitting, it says David put it on and he couldn't move. He says, I'm not used to this. No one ever taught me how to wear such armor. And David says, you know, thanks, but no thanks. I, I'm, not, I'm not going with armor. I'll, I'll go the way I am. And not only that, Shaul gave David his sword. David says, I don't know how to use swords. I, 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 you know, I, again, thanks, but no thanks. He says he went with his, as we know, with a slingshot. He had a stick. And he took five small stones from the from the riverbed, and he put them into his uh, little basket of the of his his shepherd's basket, and that's how he approaches 
Goliath, the great warrior, the giant warrior, who the entire battlefield is petrified of. Nobody can approach him. Now, the police sh- Goliath is coming forward, and he sees this little guy coming out to him with a stick. And he says, the police says, what am I, a dog, that you're coming after me with a stick? And, 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 the, and Goliath curses David. And, and, and Goliath says, come, come to me, and I'll, I'll give your, your flesh to the birds of the heaven and to the animals of the ground. I'll, I'll rip you apart with my, own two hand, with my hands. And here David responds, his famous, beautiful response. David turns to Goliath and says, You are coming to me, you're coming against me, or, or to fight me with a sword, with a spear, um, with other types of weapons. I'm coming in the name of Hashem, the one who you mocked. And on this day, Hashem is going to give you in our hands, and on this day, I'm going to slay you, I'll remove your head from you, and you and all the plishtim, and the entire land will know that there's a God amongst the Jewish people. This entire nation will know that Hashem doesn't need a sword, and Hashem doesn't need a spear, but but because in order to bring us salvation, Hashem will take care of the battle and He'll give you into our hands. And and the police stands up to come to attack to attack David, and David t- um, quickly takes his slingshot and he puts in his stone, and he shoots and hits directly in the forehead of of uh, Goliath, and Goliath falls over backward. And David, who doesn't even have a sword, runs over and takes show, takes Goliath's sword. And he kills the Plishti. He kills Goliath. And that's where, that's where Goliath is killed. Um, and all everyone's watching. You have, you know, I don't know how many tens of thousands of people because you have the whole war and the whole battlefield. Everyone's watching how the warrior, the Plishti, is killed. And all the Jewish people get up and they start chasing them and they blow with the trumpets. And it was a tremendous victory for Klal Yisrael on that day. That's the story of David and Goliath. So although in last period David was anointed as king of Israel, this was his first great act um, as warrior and brings uh, salvation to the Jewish people. And then we have in Pasuk 55 a very odd type of a Pasuk. It says, Ukir Shaul as David, Shaul, was the king obviously, is watching. It's not clear from where. He must have had some fortress where he was able to see the battlefield. And when he sees David approaching Goliath, he turns to Avner. Avner is the general of the army. And he, Avner, Sarat he says, Who is this young man, Avner? And Avner says, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know who he is. And the king says to Avner, Ask, who is this young man? Now, obviously, this is odd. Because, what do you mean, who is he? He was playing music in the palace. Mm-hmm. And not just that, the Pasek said that Shoal very much liked this young man. So they had a relationship. So And not just that. David had come before Shoal, and Shoal had given him his armor. There was a whole conversation between them. And suddenly, dementia? I mean, what, what happened? Who is he? I don't know who he is. Avner doesn't know. Go find out who he is. What's going on? And here Chazal tell us that this wasn't just a pleasantry, a question of pleasantries. Who is he? What's his name? It was, there was a big halachic question brewing. 
and and Shaul wants to know who is he really. That that goes back to the to the whole story of of David coming from Rus again, who we read her story on Shavuos. There is there was a there was a famous halachic question which is dealt already with in the Megillah of Rus, and that is was Rus allowed to get married to a, to a Jewish person? There is a halach in the Torah that you're not allowed to marry someone from the tribe of Moab. Ammon and Moab, the Torah says, you're not allowed to marry them because they were bad to the Jewish people when they left Mitzrayim. Um, and therefore, when Rus was going to get married way back, 100 years earlier, there was a debate. Could she or could she not marry, get married? In, in the book of Rus, Rus initially was going to marry one man. He says he didn't want, he didn't know if it was permissible. Ultimately, Rus marries Boaz, who was a shofet, a great tzaddik. But there was a debate. Again, the Torah says you're not allowed to marry someone from Moab. But the response to that was, you're not allowed to marry a man from Moab. That the halacha was a man from Moab, but not a woman. A woman was not a problem, as long as she converts, obviously. And Rus was a Moaviyah. She was a woman from Moab, not a man. And that's why Boaz did marry her. But though Boaz married her, that halacha question continued to brew. For years to come. And it was swirled around David's head, because David was a great-grandson. And I mentioned earlier Doeg, Doeg who was the head of the Sanhedrin, he held that David was forbidden, not was, was, was come from a marriage that was forbidden. At this point, when Shaul HaMelech sees that this young man, he's going out to war, so what's the story with him? Is it permissible or not permissible? Does he come from a marriage that's okay or not okay? And that was this discussion going on between David, I'm sorry, between Shaul and Avner, when Shaul asks Avner, who is this young man? And Avner says, I don't know. And Shaul says, go find out, go look into it. In fact, the word he uses for the young man here is ben miza ho'elem. Elem, the Gemara says, means it's hidden. The, the halacha is hidden. Is, is he okay? Is David HaMelech okay? And the Gemara tells that he went to the, that Avner went to the base Medrash and there was a debate and, and the halacha was again ruled. Yes, he's okay. The marriage of Rus was okay and David is okay. But that's what was going on at this point in time. Again, um, the discussion about David's lineage as he is ascending into his role ultimately of David Melech Israel. Okay? Which obviously goes into a whole different question. Why is it that the ultimate king of Klal Yisrael has to come from a marriage which is questionable? That's a philosophical question and not tonight. <laughs> well, I'm sure we'll get to talk about that as well. So, What's the whole head story? Why did he, why, why did he bring back a head? That was to uh, inspire the fear. There was a show of victory. He was the uh, pride of the Pelishti army. Um, it's, it's a gore, gory part of the story. Right? <laughs> That's why I didn't say it. But... Um, <laughs> But uh, yeah, we have that. That was in, in the wars, in the wars of old. You know, this was when he was killed. That was the end of the. That was the end of the war when everyone saw it was over. That's how they saw it was over. It's a type of proof that you can't really argue with, I guess. Um, yeah. Wasn't there something about somebody who took the sword and gave it to David, the person who took the sword bearer who took the sword from uh, Goliath and then gave it to David and he chopped off his head, and then that person later. Had a role to play. You're saying something that triggers a memory, but I don't remember it now. Do you remember more about it? No. Okay. If I... He ended up marrying. He he was the one who was married to one of um, Shaul's daughters, but he didn't touch her. Uh, Palti Ben Laish. 
Healthy lineage. Have, okay, you know what? I, I don't know that. I, I just heard it recently, but it just like went in somewhere near. Okay, so other. well, if it's that man, so we're talking about Palti Benayish. Again, that story, what you're mentioning is from a medrash, not indicated in the in the Navi. Oh, okay. So it doesn't say who took the. No, sword no, not at all. In this no. In, this, no. In, in the Chumash, it doesn't. In the Navi, it doesn't say anything like that. Okay. Um, in the to the contrary, in the Navi, it says that David ran. And he took the sword and killed Goliath. That, uh-huh. okay. If you look, if you have, I don't know if you have a Navi open in front of you, Pasig Nun Aleph, Vayaratz David, David ran, Vayamod el Aplishti, he stood over the Plishti, Vayikach Escharbo, he took his sword, Vayishlifa Mitara, he took it out of his sheath, Vayimosasu, and he killed him. Okay. So in the simple reading of the Pasig, that's definitely not the story. Yet, like in so many, especially Navi, there's so many Midrashim, and what you're saying, it rings a memory, and if I get, if I get to look it up before our next class, I'll give it over then. That's an interest. Okay, thank you. Yeah, yeah. It's, yes, not, so, not the shot. Yes. Where's the story also of David's mother, who was supposedly, um, there was that question about whether David was illegitimate or not? Right. If you remember that. Yeah, that's, anoth- that's another measure. That, again, there's so many medrashim about this. I was trying to stick more to the psukim, but if you're asking, that, med- that medrash I happen to remember, so I'll tell it to you. Um, and that is, there's this whole thing with David. And like, why didn't Yishai bring him initially? He only brought the other sons. And in Tehillim also, in Tehillim David many times talks about the fact that my brothers didn't even see me as a brother. So what's the whole story with that? So there's a medrash that says, <laughs> okay, so again, one of those medrashim. The medrashim says that Yishai, after having seven sons, was still bothered by that question of, was, am I really allowed to be married to a Jewish woman? Because maybe, you know, the other opinion is correct, and, and Boaz was not allowed to marry Rus. And this was a question that seemed to have, like, been around for, for over 100 years. The story of the Moavi versus the Moavis, it, w- it was a question that sort of was never, it was never laid to rest till like after David Melech was, was designated as king. So, so the matter says that Yishai, after having seven children, separated from his wife. All right. Separated from his wife. Because he said, I don't know, maybe this is forbidden, maybe I'm not allowed to be married to you. Instead, he said, I will, I will ma- marry or live with a shifcha, a uh, maidservant, who's, not, who's a shifcha kenainis, that would be permissible if I'm not allowed to marry a Jewish woman. Now, what happens is Yishai's wife is a tremendous tzaddikis. And she knows it is permissible and Yishai is fine and everything is good. And she had a very good relationship with this maidservant. So the maidservant tells her, let's do like Rachel and Leah. Let's do Rachel and Leah, and you go live with your husband. And I'm out of this, I'm not interested. Right? Sneakily. Sneakily, without telling him. Because Yishai is trying to be extra from. Because maybe it's not much, or maybe I'm not allowed to be married to my wife. So the maidservant tells her mistress, which is Mrs. Yishai, yeah. and says, you, you go to your husband. You understand? And then, and that's it. And then... Yishai, so that's what happens. So, so, so David, not David, Yishai has intimate relations with his wife, not knowing that it's his wife, thinking that it's the maidservant. Right. right? And then she leaves. Now she becomes pregnant. He doesn't notice that. He doesn't know. This is, this is Yaakov Rachelet's story all over again. So, so. But he doesn't know she's pregnant? Oh, no, he hears that she's pregnant. 
So people are thinking maybe she was, uh, maybe she uh, had um, oh, somebody else. Somebody else? things. So then people yeah. want to put her to oh. death. And Yisha says, leave her go. I don't know. It's all my fault. I made the whole mess anyway. Uh, now she gives birth to David. So his brothers say, who's that? That's not, that's the, that's from, that's not from our father. That's the matter you're referring to. So David grows up with this cast of doubt of where did he come from? Who's his father? Was that a legitimate or illegitimate relationship? So that's that medrash that you're referring to. And that, that medrash explains why when, when Shmuel comes to town and he says, Yishai, show me your sons, he doesn't even show David. David is this, this son that's uh, veiled in, in question. Where, where, you know, where did he come from? And that's, uh, that's the medrash that you're referring to. Again, none of these medrashim you'll find in the Navi, but there are different medrashim that give background and, and insight and stories behind the scenes of what's going on. Right. In, the, so, in the Navi, there's no mention of any of this. So if some of these things are alluded to in Tehillim, um, do we give precedence to the to the Tehillim? You know, where he says, I was scorned, I was this, I was oh, that. He, he was definitely scorned. There's no question he was scorned. Right. Uh, the, the fact that David was scorned, we see throughout the story. I mean, just from the fact that he wasn't even brought to the party, right? No matter how you look at it, when Shmuel comes to town and says, bring me your sons, nobody even thinks of bringing David. So he's definitely scorned. And, and definitely when he comes to the battlefield, his older brother says, what are you doing here? Go back home. Like He definitely is not doesn't get any respect in the family. That's, that's without a question. There's now, no reasons brought in the, but in the Right. In the actual Navi, there's no reasons given. So these Midrashim afford different perspectives and reasons to why that was the why, why that happened. But surely the brothers, by the way, knew that he was king, and even his father. Were they privy to that when Shmuel anointed him? That's a good and, question. You know, would you be sending the king off to take your brother's food and divorce papers? And would the brothers say, you know, what you're doing here? Type of question. That's to a, ver- a king. That's a very good question. It's a very good question. I don't know the answer to that question. The only thing I can say is, I don't know that, Sh- it doesn't say Shmuel said really anything. It says, he anointed him and a spirit of Hashem surrounded David. That's what it says. Um, so it's not as if Shmuel made a proclamation or Shmuel told everyone from now on you should know family that you have a king here. Um, it, it's, it's, you know, I don't know. I don't know what was said or what wasn't said. But nowhere does it say that Shmuel said or explained anything to anyone. It says he anointed him and the spirit of Hashem surrounded David. And one thing we know again and again we're going to read about David's tremendous humility. And most likely he didn't tell anyone about anything of what was going on. Um, and that would seem to be the answer. That would seem to be the answer. Okay, let's let's just uh, at least finish up this perik. A few more psukim. We're pasuk nunzayin. It's a long perik. So um, David returns from from this battle where he killed the Plishti, and Avner. Remember, Avner is the Avner is an important name to remember. There's a couple of important names to remember aside from obviously Shol and David, and that's Avner, who is the head of the army. And Doeg, who's the head of the Sanhedrin. Um, Avner is going to be a friend. Uh, Doeg is not. So Avner brings Shaul before, um, uh, I'm sorry, brings David before Shaul. And and again, Shaul asks him, so who are you? Who are you, son? And David says, I am the David, your servant. Uh, this, uh, I'm sorry, the, the son of your servant, Yishai, from Beis Halechem. And that is how chapter 17 finishes, where Shaul has, uh, where David, that is, has just uh, done his ma- first major act 
of leadership on the Jewish battlefield. And that's the end of Yitzayin. Again, it's still a long time before David is going to become a king, but now he's definitely someone that is going to become much more known. And Yud Ches uh, continues that story, which we will, Amir Sashem, continue. Um, next week is Yom Tev, but the following week, Be'ezra Sashem. Thank you so much. You're very welcome. Everyone have